Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. What's going on, Lex City? I ain't gonna lie, that hurt. They didn't let me get my feet together. Uh, my name is Sean. Um, it's a blessing to serve with you um, today. Um, big weekend. Give it up for our youth. Those who haven't showered, brushed their teeth, or took a nap, please give me, give me about 25 minutes, 20, somewhere around there. I told Lydia, I said, you give me about 20 minutes, we could let you go to sleep. Um, but if your partner falls asleep next to you, you got to, you know, you can put your pinky in the ear. Um, so you have my permission to do that. So um, thank you for being here. Those joining us online, um, welcome. Um, I've been serving here for about two and a half years. And me and my wife, she does a lot of stuff in, in Kid City. Um, and uh, me and Andy, we co-lead the um, small group, the 11th and 12th grade boys. Um, we love them. There's, a, there's no easy questions for those boys. You know, you know the easy question like, hey, you know, how do you have more peace in your life? Or how can I be stronger in my faith? They, they, want, they go straight to the core. Did God invent evil? Um, how do we know God exists? That's like the hardest questions to answer. They give you those, and that's why, parents, I'm sorry we keep your kids three or four hours on Wednesdays, um, especially 11th grade boys and 12th grade boys, um, because they ask a lot of deep questions, and we try our best to give them an answer. Um, my wife um, met her about seven years ago. Um, she moved here to go to, to school, 2014, she moved here to go to, to grad school at UK. And uh, I was a divorced dad, um, two kids, Lot and Ruby. Lot is, uh, he's 10, and then uh, Ruby is eight. Love those guys. Um, I don't know how I kept them alive. I don't know how I kept them alive. Chicken nuggets seems to do the trick before a test got in our life. You know, the Bible talks about manna from heaven, you know, that, that was the manna from heaven. The chicken nuggets is the big reason why they're still breathing. Um, until Tess came into our lives, she, she brought with her her Italian background, and she began to cook. And I was sold. I'm like, you ain't got to tell me twice. And that was it. That's all it took, good cooking. She's an, uh, she's an associate professor at, at University of Kentucky. She's a pediatric psychologist, works in the College of Medicine. Dr. Tess. Um, that's why I like to call her. Uh, she's been an amazing uh, part of our life, and d not sure what we'd do um, if you wasn't here. They're still eating chicken nuggets, uh, by the way. Um, I want to set the stage to the point of my message. It is about God's plan and his promises for our lives. It's nearing Passover, and Jesus and his disciples were sitting down for that customary feast, and it's there that we witness the betrayal of Peter, uh, the betrayal of Judas, the good intentions of Peter, and then the servanthood of Christ. Now, if you're like me, you love a good story. You love the resolution and the climax and the plots and all the characters. Well, chapter 14 of John certainly has something that I like to call divine drama. But I'd like to point out something. Jesus says something here in a second that 
it really amazes me because this is right before Peter denied him three times. It's also right before they betrayed him. The Bible says that as they was arresting Jesus, the other disciples took off. They ghosted Jesus. But right before all that happened, listen to what Jesus said to them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe, believe also in me. In my Father's houses are many mansions, are many rooms. If it were not so, what I have told you, that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may also be. Interesting. This is a picture in many of our lives. We endure the messiness and the, the heartache and the uncertainty of the, the future. We, we fight to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. And in all the ways, we fail to sometimes acknowledge him that he may direct our paths, a plan, and a promise. Let's pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer, amen. We all make plans. Plans are a part of life. Uh, one writer said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. We plan to finish school, go on vacation, get married, start a family, change careers, move to a different location, volunteer, or even join a group. I think about when my wife did move here, she had no plans of staying in Kentucky her whole life. She had many opportunities to travel the world. She had to actually change careers, but she did it because she loved us. I wanted to be a rapper growing up, but the 90s rap scene was, it was nice, it was solid, they didn't need me. You, you, you had your Nellies, you had your Outcast, you know, you had your Missy Elliott's and, and, and all these other people. You had DC Talk. You know, y'all too young for DC Talk. Y'all just know Toby Mac. Y'all don't know DC Talk. You know, we, we had all that stuff. They, they didn't need me. But God has never been opposed to you planning. He grants us those liberties of choice. He even says... Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. God is an architect. He's constantly tweaking the details behind the scenes. He's not only the designer or the planner of the project, he's also the builder. The author of Hebrews says that the architect and the builder is God. Consider some of these verses. It says, a man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them. One of the most heavily quoted scriptures besides John 3, 16 is Jeremiah 11 and 12. We see it literally everywhere we go. We see it on tote bags and, and pictures and uh, tattoos and social media. I'm sure this is hanging up in some of y'all's houses right now. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. If you're like me who grew up with a King James, it says an expected end. It gets even better. 
Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Hmm. Hey, that sounds good. Set me up to be a Christian. Because this is all good news right here. I'll take that. But without reading anything else, we think this is the end of the story. One of my biggest concerns is that through discipling and witnessing, that sometimes we fail to give the whole story. We talk about the freedom of bondage and the promise of salvation, but sometimes we leave out that there will be trouble. My grandmother used to say, if you don't have any trouble, live long enough. That's so true. Death, taxes, trouble. That's going to happen. You don't believe me? Jesus said it. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I want to take you on a journey through Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12 and look at the context as which it was originally understood to the ancient audience. Now, for historical context, Jeremiah spoke these words to Jews that were in exile from Jerusalem into Babylon. One can only imagine what it would be like to live under the denomination of your enemies and then be forced by your enemies to leave your homeland and dwell in a foreign country. Now, for literary context, we discover from the previous chapter, chapter 28, that Jeremiah just pronounced it judgment on a false prophet, Hananiah. He told the people that God was going to break the yoke of Babylon, freeing the people to return home in two years. Doesn't sound that bad. Two years? But it was a lie, and it resulted in Hananiah's death. They would, in fact, be in Babylon for 70 years. That don't sound too good. Two years sound a lot better. Therefore, they should settle down, build houses, marry, even pray for the peace and prosperity of the city which they now found themselves. Now, let, me, let me break this down. They're servants in the land that's not their own. They hear from a person that seems to be a man of God that they'll be out in two years. If they can finally go back to the Jeru Jerusalem, but Jeremiah tells them, the true prophet of God, that it will be 70 years you can go home, so work, get married, have babies, pray for your enemies, but here's the key. Don't just pray for them. Pray that they will be blessed abundantly. Huh? Now, this is interesting to pray for people that have you in captivity, but Jeremiah says, seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile, speaking the words from God, and say, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its peace you will find your peace. Interesting. This must be what Jesus was talking about when he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And let me remind you that the reason they were in captivity was due to their own bad choices. They abandoned the ways of God and they did devious practices that angered God. 
But I want to show you the grace and mercy of God. Even if you made choices contrary to what God has showed you, his promises remains the same. His plan is for peace, future, and hope. In Hebrew, that's broken down as expectation of a reward. Huh. Now, what can we take from this passage? The Jews in captivity in Babylon, there was hope for immediate rescue. They were excited about possibly leaving in two years, and as they were originally told, but it was a lie. They no longer could leave their inheritance to their children, no longer leave and go as they come in and out of the country, no longer can retire at a nice age and sip lemonade on the back porch. But what is God saying through this? He said, even if your situation doesn't immediately change, I'm still the God who is unchangeable. Even if you feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, let me remind you, Moses said that he is the rock and his works are perfect. And if you're feeling like you're facing the impossible, let me encourage you that with God, nothing is impossible. No matter where you find yourself, the plan of God hasn't changed. is peace, future, and hope. He says, when you seek me with your whole heart, you will be found of me and I of you. I think about how this applies to our lives today. God's plans and, and his actions is not contingent on our actions or our inactions in Peter's case. His, his universal plan is for mankind is redemption through the atonement of Jesus Christ, leading to the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ, our great God and Savior. That's the plan for mankind. But there are periods between our births and our deaths that God is constantly directing our steps. I can't give you what individual plan God has for your life. God hasn't revealed that to me. Some of you know. Some of you are still praying about it. But God says, make me part of your plan, and I will get you to where you need to be. I love that another word to break down, establish your steps, is lay the foundation. God is saying, let me lay the foundation. No house is secure without a strong foundation. And no plan should begin without the firm foundation. We're not robots or puppets that God is trying to get us to do this or that. Instead, he responds to us through faith that he will lead and guide us into all truth. Now, I want to switch gears for a bit. God's purposes and God's promise. Why did I combine God's plan and God's promises? Perhaps I could have just made these two messages. But God's plan is to fulfill his promises. Every time God speaks about a plan or purpose in Scripture, there's always a promise somewhere nearby. Always. A promise is a declaration or an announcement to do or to refrain from doing, to say or to speak good tidings. Isaiah says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. A plan and a promise. John says, if I go and prepare a place for you, 
I would come again, and I would take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. A plan and a promise. I like what John says. It says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you want, and it will be done unto you. His plan is that we abide in him. His promise is that we will bear much fruit. I can go on the next few hours about his promises. But some of you may ask, how can we trust the promises of God? I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, the sun is not weary of shining, nor the fountain of flowing. It is God's nature to keep his promises. Therefore, go once to the throne with this petition, do as thou hast said. We can count on God's promises because of God's character. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? We can count on God's promises because God is unchanging. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We can count on God's promises because of his infinite wisdom. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I often hesitate to share my life experiences for two reasons. One, I don't want things to be about me. Two, it's because someone always has it worse. But I want to share a little bit of my journey, hopefully to encourage someone to trust God more. In 2017, I was doing dips in the gym, trying to work on the triceps. Tess was with me, and I, I felt like I felt something pop in my right shoulder. It felt weird. But as the months went by, the amount of weight I was lifting began to decrease. At one point, I couldn't even get 10 pounds in the air. I'm like, this is strange. After I, I was, after my stubbornness wore off, I said, you know what, I'm gonna go get it checked out. Got an MRI done. They told me I got a small tear in my, in my labrum. No big deal. Not life-threatening, not life-altering. In fact, many people live with labral tears. I figured as a former personal trainer that if I keep working out, I'll, I'll begin to you know, get some strength in there again. No big deal. But over time, I lost the ability to lift my right arm above my head. Fast forward, 2019, I was doing pull-ups. I felt something weird in my left shoulder. I went to get it checked out. They said, ah, you got some tendonitis in there. You should rest. Don't work out as much. Said, okay, I'll rest a little bit. It'll get better. COVID happened. Shut the world down for about two years. After that time, I lost the ability to lift both arms in the air. I just figured it was just something easy. Maybe I was working out too hard. They should be able to fix it. We'll wait till after COVID, we'll go in, 
we'll get surgeries. 2022, we decided to get both shoulders looked at again after many confusing visits, confused doctors, several MRIs, multiple EM, EMGs, every blood test you can think of. They asked me to go see an ALS specialist. That's not the three letters people want to hear. I was crushed, I was scared, I was afraid. Me and my wife was, it was a dark time for us, not really knowing what was going to happen. I was, like most of us, going to Google, Dr. Google, looking at the last stages of ALS and seeing how I was going to die. All I could do is pray. I called on the elders. I called on pastors, I called on friends, my wife, just, just pray. That's all we can do. During those dark moments, God revealed himself to me in ways I've never experienced. I was encouraged to trust him no matter what. After seeing an ALS specialist for about a year, she determined, you don't have ALS but it's definitely something nerve-related. One hospital told her to do a scan on his spine. There's this, you know, last couple of years I've been finding out that leaks can get, this is called CSF leaks, can have leaks in your spine that can cause immobility in the, in the upper body. But even that, we got partial answers because this is not the norm. I knew it wasn't normal, you know, but I want to at least find answers to this. My wife began her own research into the best CSF clinics in the country. I really didn't know what was gonna happen. She found a hospital in Cedar sinai in Los Angeles, got a hold of the surgeon, Flew out to LA in September, did my spine surgery, stopped the leak, but my journey is not over yet. Because of the spinal column leak, um, I developed a condition called vibrachial amyotrophy, which is upper body weakness, muscle loss, because it stretches the cervical nerve roots. So my journey's not over. I'm slowly building strength and mobility in my arms and shoulders through physical therapy. And I still believe God for healing. Like the Jews captured in bondage, we all want immediate rescue. But what I've learned is that victory is not through the rescue through the surrender. God continues to go before us and surrounds us. I like the scripture that says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings 
of the dawn, and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. When we face difficult situations today, we can take comfort in Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12, knowing that it's not a promise to immediately rescue us from hardship, but a promise that God has a plan for our lives regardless of our current circumstances. He can work and prosper and give us hope and expect it in. And furthermore, we can take comfort in knowing that God's promises to be there for us during those situations. I like what Jeremiah says. It says, call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me. That's a promise. When you seek me with your whole heart. Hmm. I want to bring out my friend, one of the co-leaders of the 11th grade and 12th grade boys, my friend Andy. I want you to share a little bit about your testimony and God's plan and promises for your life. I grew up in the church. I was a good Christian boy. I uh, came from a really great Christian home. It was parents that didn't just tell me to pray, but showed me how to, right? You, 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 you walk in and daily I'd see my parents just in a heart posture of surrender. Jesus, you lead this home. I saw them reading the scriptures, looking to God at every single point. Um, and yet for 23 years, I played the act of a Christian. I sat in, in, in pews and in, in chairs and I sang songs like you are worthy of it all and you reign above it all in firm foundation. And I was satisfied. That was my life. So I came to a breaking point. I came to a point where I looked at God and I said, I thought that your plans for me was to prosper. I thought that you loved me. I thought that you were good. Because all I knew was that verse from Jeremiah. My faith was an extension of my parents' faith. I was in a place where I knew Jesus from hearing about him from different people. And I looked at God when in, in times of trouble, I got stubborn. I said, Jesus, I, I'm not going to reach out my hand and say, please, I'm good. It's just I thought that, I thought that you cared. I thought that you loved me. And for the next year of my life, I got real angry. I got real bitter and sad. I looked at God and I said, I'm gonna do it my way because your way does not work. You said you were gonna be there for me. You said, and we sing as a church, you're never gonna let me down. Well, there, you've let me down. So I'm not doing this anymore. And for that next year, I did it my way. I was depressed, I was sad, I was angry, I was mean, I was immoral. And every single night, I couldn't go to sleep. I'd wake up multiple times through the night asking God and just asking myself, why wasn't I enough? What's going on? I thought that I was, I don't know, I thought I was safe, that I was okay. I mean, I did, I did the Jesus thing, I did the church thing, it, that didn't work. 
And I continued that path for a while, and I'd hear people like Sean in church talk about God's plan. I'm filled with more hate and rage and anger. Like, really, this is your plan? Until I came to another breaking point. I came to another place where I had nothing left. I had tried for so long, and I came to a place of true surrender. And I heard that still small voice that said, hey, son, come back home. I love you. What are you talking about? You love me. I walked away from you. I said I didn't want this anymore. What are you talking about? And still, son, I love you. Come back. And it was in February of this year, 2023, that I sat in an Asbury University chapel. And it was an invitation for me to come back. It was an invitation for God's plan in my life to happen. God's plan is not just prosperity. That's where I went wrong. I thought that God's plan was for me to prosper, for me to have good health and wealth and just be happy. And once things didn't start going my way and things, and I became sad, I was like, oh yeah, of course, well, this is not God's plan for my life. God, I'm out. But the truth is God's plan is for you to abide. Abide in him, as John 15 says, he says, abide in me as I abide in the Father. And what a beautiful invitation that is. Because I think back of, of one of my favorite verses Psalm, in, in Psalm 8, and it says, what is man that you are mindful of him? And what is man that you are mindful of him? And then he invites us to abide in him as he abides in the Father? Man, that's what changed my life. That's what returned me to God's plan in my life. I love that you said God's plan is surrender because that's what it is. And that's why I struggled for so long because I was so prideful and arrogant to say, God, have it all. And now when I walk into a church and I sing, you reign above it all, mm. I'm singing because he reigns above it all. He reigns above the darkness in my life. He reigns in the unknowns of my life. He reigns above everything. And that's God's plan. God's plan is not for you to just walk all happy and knowing that you'll prosper. No, God's plan is for you to abide. God's plan is for us to surrender into his plan. You don't talk about God's, we know God's plan. We know what he's doing. We might not know the exact calling, but it doesn't matter. He uses us at every point with every gifting that we have. He uses what the enemy meant for evil and turns it for good. He uses every darkness, every injury, every time that we've fallen for good. And that's God's plan in my life. God's plan is surrender. It is a commissioning. It is an invitation. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. I want to end with Romans 8, 28. Before I do, it's still glad to pray. Dear God, some of us are broken. Some of us are at a place of confusion, uncertainty, bitterness, anger. We've had a bad medical report. We've are struggling in our marriage. We had a, a kid that just doesn't listen. God, we know that you have a plan for our life, and we know it's for peace, hope, and the future, and expect it in 
expectation for a reward. And you said that when we pray to you, that we'll be found by you. And we're leaning up on that promise today that no matter where we find ourselves, that you are there. You surround us. You keep us. You make us anew. God, I pray for everyone in this building, all those online, that you continue to work in their lives. Show them you. Establish their path. Lay the foundation. Peace in their troubled hearts. Clarity in their minds. Oh, God, we thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name. For all things work for the good, the love God, and who are the called according to his purpose. God's plan, God's promise. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.